1 Samuel chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. If you will follow along with me as I read. And Hannah prayed and said, My heart exalts in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth derides my enemies, because I rejoice in your salvation. There is none holy like the Lord, for there is none besides you. There is no rock like our God. Talk no more, so very proudly let not arrogance come from your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty are broken, but the feeble bind on strength. Those who were full have hired themselves out for bread, but those who were hungry have ceased to hunger. The barren has borne seven, but she who has many children is forlorn. The Lord kills and brings to life. He brings down to shale and raises up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and he exalts. He raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts up the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes, princesses and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillar of the earth are the Lord's, and on them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful ones, but the wicked shall be cut off in darkness. For not by might shall a man prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Against them he will thunder in heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. Then Okana went home to Ramah, and the boy was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli and, uh, excuse me, of Eli the priest. Amen. So we have, uh, what we have here is we have a prayer from Hannah, and this prayer takes place, um, if you back up and look at uh, Samuel chapter 1, after the birth of Samuel, and uh, after her going and giving him back to the Lord. So here we have in chapter 1, or excuse me, here we have in chapter 2 is, is Hannah's response to God's goodness to her. When you go back to chapter 1, you see the sovereignty of God in her life and, and, and what he has done uh, to use her and also to use uh, others involved in the life of Samuel to bring about the events that unfolded. And it shows us that God is sovereign over individual lives, but also he, here in our text, we see that he is sovereign over the nation of Israel, but then also the world. The same stands true today for us. God is sovereign over our individual life, our nation, and our world. Uh, nothing happens outside of his control. And uh, that is something that should bring us as Christians great comfort. We see as Hannah prayed, though, uh, that, that she is excited and, and she's praising God for basically her, her prayer being answered the way she asked it to be answered. Uh, or the way she asked it at. And that's a, that's a wonderful blessing because that doesn't happen all the time. In fact, when we pray something and it's answered the way we prayed for it, number one, it was according to God's will or else it would have been answered that way. But number two, it's just a great blessing to, to get what you ask for. Uh, it's a blessing on two sides because number one, you're getting what you ask for. And number two, it accords with God's will. And uh, that's, that's an awesome thing whenever that happens. It doesn't happen as often as we like for it to, but it does happen from time to time. And that's what Hannah is, um, is, is experiencing right now. So she breaks into this prayer in the form of a song. Uh, in other words, she's praising God through this prayer of hers. And from this prayer of, of praise, uh, we learn some important things about prayer in general that we're going to talk about today. 
Most of all, through Hannah's prayer, we learn about the character and also the activity of God um, within the, the lives of his creatures, but also we learn what our proper response should be to the Lord um, whenever he blesses us with an answered prayer or when he gives us what we need and not what we ask for. Either way, we learn a lot about what our response should be to him as his creatures. So let's, uh, let's take a closer look. What I want to do this morning is I want to break up basically this, this sermon. I, first, I want to talk to you about the actual prayer um, and, and just, just look at it a little bit. We're not going to really dissect it very much because we could spend a lot of time there. Uh, I just want to get a high-level view of it uh, and understanding of it. But then I want to talk about four applications that can be tied uh, to this prayer. There are many more, but I think four, uh, the four that I have will help us as a church uh, tremendously. So talking about Hannah's prayer of praise. First of all, when we look at the prayer in general, there are three overarching themes that we can see here in this prayer that apply to First and Second Samuel. These, the, these three themes are God's sovereignty, uh, also God's grace, and then also God's deliverance. We're going to see these things play out in First and Second Samuel as we continue to walk through the book. His sovereignty, his grace, and his deliverance. Um, this is what Hannah is praising God for in her prayer. And she points out four attributes of God. And these four attributes of, is what she has experienced uh, of God through whatever she's been through, right? Through her barrenness, uh, through her persecution, and then ultimately through her pregnancy, and then the delivery, and then giving uh, Samuel back to the Lord. These are four attributes that she has identified. We see it verse in verse, first in verse two. Number one, she says that God is holy. She's recognized that. That he is holy, he is pure, he is light, he is perfect, he is true. And in, in, in the reflection of who God is, he's holy and she is not. Right? And that's, that's where we come to as well. God is holy, we are not. God is not like us. God is God alone. So he is holy. Also in verse 2, she says that he is the rock. When, uh, when, when, when the rock is used like that, it's pointing to the strength and sovereignty of God. So he is the rock of his people. In other words, he is the strength and he is the ruler of his people. Then in verse 3, she says that he is the God of knowledge. He knows all things. When you tie that to his sovereignty, it's, it's powerful because not only does he know all things, but he controls all things. Right? So those two are added together to give us a glimpse of who God is in comparison to us. We do not know all things and we cannot control all things. Right? That's why we worship God and that's why, uh, that's, why God, that's why we serve God and that's why he is God and we are not. But then the fourth thing is that he is the God of judgment. She says in verse 3 that by him actions are weighed. So those are the four attributes that she recognizes in God uh, while he moves in her life. And through his holiness, through his strength, his sovereignty, his knowledge, and his judgment, she recognizes God's activity in her life. Look at verses 4 through 10 real quick. This is the, this is the actual prayer. But you can grab each of these attributes and you can apply them to what she is saying and you can see how she is how she recognizes God and how she's praising God for his attributes. Um, number one, look at verse four. By the strength of God, she says, the bowls of the mighty are broken, but the feeble bind on strength. 
Right? So God does what he wants to do with people. Those who are proud and boastful and think they're strong, God will, will humble them. And those who are meek and those who don't think anything of themselves, well, God will raise them up. It's, it's up to him to do that or not. Uh, we've all experienced that in our own personal lives because if we are in Christ, then at some point we have been humbled to the point of meekness, to the point of I, I don't have anything to offer, I am no good, I, I can't do anything for myself. That's the conclusion that we've all come to if we are in Christ. Because then we realize that Christ is our everything. right? So even in our own personal lives, God has shown his strength to humble us and then to pick us back up, to lift us back up. So that's one thing that she recognizes. Also, through the perfect judgments of God, look at verse 5. She says, those who were full have hired themselves, themselves out for bread, but those who were hungry have ceased to hunger. The barren has borne seven, but she has many, excuse me, but she who has many children is forlorn. So here, God in his perfect judgments brings about what he wants in the lives of people. It, 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 you know, at one point, someone can take pride in, in their abundance. They have much. They, they don't need anyone to care for them. They don't even need the Lord, maybe, they think in their mind. But then in the next moment, God, through his judgments, can turn that around to where they now know that they are in need. They are in need not only of material possessions, but something greater, a spiritual need. We've also been there before where we thought, hey, we had control of our lives. We had everything we need. We didn't need God. We didn't need anybody else until God showed us differently. So by his judgments, those who have, uh, those who have hired themselves out for bread, uh, they themselves are, they, they go hungry, excuse me. Those who, who are full have hired themselves out for bread, but those who are hungry have ceased to hunger. It, God flips it around just like he does with the, the strength and the weaknesses of people. But then he says, by the sovereign hand of God, look at verse six, the Lord kills and brings to life. He brings down to Sheol and raises up. Um, also, by, his, by the strength of God, verse seven, the Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and he exalts. By the knowledge of God, verse eight, he raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princesses and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and on them he has set the world. He, she also recognizes by the holiness of God, look at verse 9, he will guard the feet of his faithful ones, by the wicked, but the wicked should be cut off in darkness, for not by might shall a man prevail. And then also by the judgments of God, verse 10, the adversaries of the Lord shall be broken into pieces against them. He will thunder in heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his kings and exalt the horn of his anointed. Like I said, there's much more to be said within this prayer. But what I want us to see is the Lord's activity and how Hannah sees the Lord. Uh, she's, her, her prayer is answered and she takes the time to praise God for this answered prayer. And within this prayer, she is... She is exalting him. She is exalting him. She's praising him. Uh, there is there's really there's no petition here. There's no supplication. There is no asking God for anything. It's just a prayer of praise for who he is. And that is a, a beautiful picture of, uh, you know, of, of, of the way we should pray to the Lord. 
often. We are told in the Bible to pray without ceasing. Uh, When we are told to pray without ceasing, we might think that that's supplication, asking God for something. But much of prayer from us should be praising God for who he is and what he has already given us. That's exactly what Hannah is doing here. Um, You could actually apply several of the attributes to each of those passages that I read. I was just giving you some examples, but the, the, uh, the attributes that she recognizes are found throughout those passages. His holiness, his strength, his sovereignty, his knowledge, and his judgment. Now, I think it's important for us to recognize those things, too, as well. That's why I try to give you some examples in your own personal life how God has done the same thing for you. Um, as we live and die, as we go through this life, you know, as we grow older, as we go through trouble, whatever it is that we go through, we have to remember God and who he is We have to remember that he is holy. We have to remember that he is strong. We have to remember that he is sovereign. We have to remember that he knows all things. And we have to remember that in the end, uh, vengeance is the Lord's. He is the God of all judgment. His judgment is final. So it's important for us to remember all these things in the light of what we are going through today. As we look at all, all these attributes of God they, they point to his sovereign rule as the eternal king of glory. That's why the focus for First and Second Samuel is that, God as the eternal king of glory. Yeah, the characters we're studying, yeah, we're studying Samuel, uh, we're going to study Saul, we're going to study David. Uh, each of these were important men within the history of Israel, but we will see that even though they were placed in charge, they failed uh, the nation, they failed humanity. We see that God was the real king. He was the one who was, or, who was orchestrating everything to his will. But looking at her prayer here, we see that her prayer exudes with praise and thanksgiving towards God. And it's simply, she's doing this for what he has done in her life. Now, I, I want to take time to recognize that, that those prayers are the best kind of prayers, aren't they? Where, where God has done something magnificent in our lives, powerful in our lives, and we can't do anything but fall on our knees and praise him for it. Man, we need those type of prayers. I mean, because 90% of the time, it's, it's, it's us going through anguish, it's us suffering loss, it's us confused, it's us worried. And yes, we should go to the Lord in prayer for all those. We need to. God has told us to cast our anxieties on him because he cares for us. But there is no prayer like the prayer of praise to the Lord once he has saved you from something. Once he has moved in your life mightily, once he has saved your marriage, once he has saved your child, once he he has, he has, he has, he has stopped you from from doing or are falling into deep darkness. It's just amazing when we fall on our knees and we pray and we're, we're thanking God for what he has done. When we look at Hannah's life, we know what she's already went through. And to see her on this other side praising the Lord is a wonderful thing. Tell you what, as I look at her life, you know, and, and I also, knowing from what I know in my life, it, it brings me hope that no matter what we go through, God's with us. And we have to remember his covenant promise that he will never leave us nor forsake us. And there is an end to our trouble. 
Even though it's hard to see that, there is an end to our trouble. I remember several times in my own life when the Lord intervened. Several times where I fell to my knees and praised to God and that's all I wanted to offer him. There was no supplication. There was no asking for anything else. It was just praising God for who he was. Um, Number one, when I came to know the Lord, I still have not had a, a day like that since. Uh, the feeling I had, the newness I felt. I, I've never felt like that since I, since I came to the Lord. It was a very emotional experience, but a very spiritual experience. I, it, was, it was a life-changing experience for me. Now, I wish I could say that I walked in that newness of life straight on after that. No, I fell back into sin, and I wrestled with it. And finally, today, I am what I am because of the Lord. But that first night when, uh, when I came to know the Lord, man, it was a beautiful, beautiful night. And that was one night when I was thanking the Lord. When I got married, I thanked the Lord. Uh, when the doctor was able to save uh, Alicia's uterus for us to have children, I, I thanked the Lord. And right, right in the middle of surgery, saved her uterus. We thought we weren't even going to have children. And now we have children. And I mean that in a good way. I mean that in a good way. <laughs> also, during all the deliveries of my children, that's one of the most, uh, I don't know, it's one of the most worrisome um, seconds of your life whenever a child is pull, pulled from the womb and then there's the, the, the 10 seconds it takes for the child to cry. Uh, I was a nervous wreck just praying and praying and praying. And... Uh, it was wonderful to, to hear those cries whenever they came and thanking the Lord uh, for the deliveries of our children. When Jonah recovered from double pneumonia in the children's hospital, that was tough. I remember, remember Elise and I being in the hospital, praying, not sleeping, literally praying for days on end. And uh, doctors coming in one day after another saying it doesn't look good, it doesn't look good, it doesn't look good until it looks good, right? And then just to have that report that, that you know, everything is okay. Um, man, there was a lot of praising going on then. Uh, when I became full-time, the, the, the burden of, of, of being full-time at work and also full-time in ministry for years upon years upon years, never thinking that it was going to end. And then when I least suspected it, the Lord brought it to an end. It took me getting laid off. You know, I... I you, Something like that, you don't think God's going to turn into something that you've been praying for your, your whole time in ministry. But it happened. Uh, when I recovered from COVID, it was a lot of, there was a lot of pray to, praising God for what he has done. See, I, I bring all these things up because I want you to dig deep into your heart and I want you to recognize your moments that, you, that, that God was faithful to you. And all you could do was offer him praise. You see, I think some of you need that today because maybe today is not that time. Maybe today you are really struggling. Maybe today you are really going through something. But I want to tell you, brother and sister, you need to remember when God was faithful. And you need to remember that God has told you, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He will come through for us every single time. It may not be what we want, but the Lord is faithful. And what he gives us is best for us. 
So as we think about all those wonderful times where God, his divine activity was, was, was identified or was exercised in our life, and we praised him for those things, I, I, that's something important that we need to remember throughout our life because we need to know that no matter what we go through, no matter what situation we are in, God is good. And it will do good for us to remember how good he is. But when we look at prayer, we need to recognize that prayer is an important aspect of our spiritual life. Hannah's prayer of praise is a great reminder of how vital prayer is in the life of the believer. But it also teaches us how we should approach God. Colossians 4.2 says that we should, as Christians, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. I, I love that verse because it goes well with what we're talking about today. Hannah's prayer of praise and how, how through what she went through, she just took a moment to say, God, you are awesome. You are awesome and there is none like you. So when we look at her prayer, what can, you know, what, what should we do? What can we learn from it? Well, I have four things that I want to share with you and then we're, then we're done today. So these four things here. When we look at Hannah's prayer, um, we need to remember that the Lord is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. The Lord does not change. The Lord still moves in mysterious ways. And the Lord still commands our praises. We, sh- we shouldn't hold back. It shouldn't surprise us that, that the, the God who created us, it shouldn't surprise us whenever he shows his power in our lives. It, it does, but we should have time to think about it and say, you know what? I serve a mighty God. I should expect this. Even though I can't believe it, I should expect it because there is nothing that holds him back. So the Lord is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and he still moves in mysterious ways, and we should praise him for that. Um, When we look at prayer, I don't know how much you have looked into uh, the doctrine of prayer, but when you look into prayer, there's different things, different methods that you can use for prayer. One common method is the ACTS method, A-C-T-S method. Uh, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. Uh, that's one way that you can, you can pray to the Lord. Um, that method fits, uh, well, number one, if you notice, that's the liturgy we use for our worship here uh, every single Sunday. Uh, it may not be in that exact order, but we, we have a song dedicated to adoration, one to confession, one to thanksgiving, and one to supplication. Along with that song, there is a verse that is dedicated to that, to, to adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication too as well. So we do that purposely so that we, uh, you know, we can, we, we can have a balanced approach of praise towards God. Um, so, so when we do adoration, that's basically what Hannah is doing here. She's revering God for his holy attributes and also his acts of sovereignty. So basically what adoration is, is bragging about God to God. That's, that's, what it's, that's what adoration is. Uh, confession is pretty simple. It's the confessing of our sins, not just in general, but also coming to God with uh, the details of our sins and confessing those to him, asking him to grow us and, and to forgive us and to grow us uh, through our sins. And there is thanksgiving. That's the appreciation of God's providential blessings through the good, bad, and ugliness of life. 
we, we are thanking God for his providential blessings. And then supplication is prayer for the church and the lost. Now, I mentioned that just to give you a, a, a basic model for prayer. Not that all prayer has to follow this model exactly, but this, uh, this model does follow the Lord's Prayer that, um, that is found in Matthew 6, verses 9 through 13. And that's where Jesus teaches us to pray. Now, as I say that, we need to recognize that some prayers are emergency prayers. In fact, a lot of them are emergency prayers. Um, they, they, what I mean by emergency prayers is that we have a, a desperate need of something and we don't have time to go through all the different adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. It's so urgent that we go straight into supplication. Or we may, we may go into confession and supplication. Or we may do a little of adoration and then go into supplication. But it just depends on what the moment is. Most of us have, I hope all of us, have prayer time in the morning where we get to come and be alone with the Lord. Or if it's at night, we're alone with the Lord. Those are the prayers that, that, that should be modeled and, and, and fit the model of, of, of Acts. And we should slowly go through them and pray as we should. But then there are those prayer requests where someone says, I need something right now that we go straight into prayer, straight into supplication. It's like um, it's like the story of, of a pastor, a deacon and a police officer. And they're all talking about prayer and they're all talking about what the best uh, the best time and the best position is for prayer. And the pastor says, well, I love to pray in the morning and I love to pray behind closed doors on my knees, right? The deacon says, well, I like to pray at night. I lay down in bed and I'm praying to the Lord. The police officer says, well, my, my most effective prayer is when I'm, being, when I'm hiding behind a car being shot at, right? That's, I mean, when you're going through it, that's, when, that's that emergency prayer. You're going through something and you just, you, you go right into prayer and you're asking God, are you praising God for something that he has done. What, when we look at prayer in our, li- in our own lives and when it goes wrong is that when we rush into prayer, when we rush through prayer, and when we rush out of prayer, I think that's when we do an injustice to God. Because sometimes that's our whole prayer life, rushing into prayer, rushing through prayer, rushing out of prayer. It's like, it's like we're, we're at, a bid, at, at an auction and we're the guy trying to sell stuff, right? And we're just saying things as fast as we can to hurry up and get out of it. When we look at Hannah and how she is praying, first of all, she seems to be a woman of prayer because we look at chapter one, she was praying faithfully for a child. She has the child. She's praising God for him answering her prayer. What we have to be careful about is we tend to spend less time or maybe no time adoring God or thanking him for what he has done for us. It's just a rush into asking God to give us something. And sometimes even our, our, our times with him in the mornings or our times with him in the evenings, when it's planned and uh, we have time to do so, we still go straight into supplication. We still go straight into asking him for things. I think when we look at Hannah's prayer, it helps to remind us that our prayers of adoration and thanksgiving to the Lord are just as important as our prayers 
of confession and supplication. In other words, we need to be thanking the Lord just as much as we are asking things from the Lord. We need to be praising him just as much as we are confessing our own sins to him. Because miracles still happen every single day. Things that we don't even recognize. It'd be amazing, um, you know, after we leave this earth and we go to heaven and God shows us his providential care over our lives, things that we missed. Miracles happen every single day in our lives and we don't even recognize them. God deserves our praises. God deserves a thank you from us. And I think we need to be more faithful in doing that. That was number one. Number two, we need to approach prayer by faith and not by sight. Second uh, Corinthians chapter five, verses six through seven say this. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith and not by sight. That was 2 Corinthians 5, 6-7 for those who are taking notes. So Hannah's prayer, notice that it is not laced with worry of the future. She's just had a child. She's given that child back to the Lord. There is no promise of her having other children. It's not like she's like, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm giving this child to you. Can you please, now this is prayer number two that's attached to prayer number one. Can you please give me more children? She's not worried about giving away her only child to serve the Lord. What he has given her is enough. And what we tend to do and what, when prayer goes, goes wrong for us is that we sometimes approach prayer by sight and not by faith. Even when we are praising God for what we, he has given us, we're still worried about the thing that he hasn't taken care of. And it's a never-ending cycle. Why? Because we always have trouble here on this, in this world. And so we're always praying and worrying, praying and worrying. And that's not what we are told to do. We are told to pray and have peace. Pray and not worry about tomorrow. Not that the things that we face tomorrow are taken away, but we serve a mighty God. He's going to see us through tomorrow. So we need to approach prayer by faith and not by sight. When we pray, we need to not be so focused on our earthly problems that we forget the capabilities of our eternal king of glory. See, if we have this wrong perspective about prayer day in and day out, this is what happens. It becomes boring. It becomes ineffective. We start to see it as a chore. Because it's like, what's the use of praying? Even though something goes away, something else comes to replace it. Another trouble comes to replace it. What we need to recognize, though, is that in our prayer life, God is restoring us, strengthening us, giving us hope, building up our faith. He's doing all this while we're praying but at the same time, he's bringing about his will in our lives and also the lives of all of his creation. So, yes, good things are accomplishing something, but bad things are accomplishing something in us as well. 
And we need to know that as we approach God in prayer, knowing that our prayer of faith will be answered according to his will. He's going to give us peace. He's going to be with us wherever we go. And we're going to be okay. No matter what we face, we're going to be okay. Not because we're able, but because of the Lord. When we look at powerful prayers, powerful prayers are those in which we see that God has moved mightily in our lives. It like stirs up our faith. His mighty act stirs up our faith. And as I said before, the best thing to remember are those mighty acts of the past. As we wait patiently for God here in the present. Then number three. Prayer is not, a, not only a weapon to fight the schemes of the devil, as Ephesians 5 tells us. And by the way, it is a powerful weapon. We need to use it to fight the schemes of the devil. But it is also a ladder that elevates the believer to the throne room of heaven. When we see Hannah and, and when she's praying, uh, I don't know, when I read it, it just seems that this lady is just convinced that she is in the presence of God. I, I, it's just so heartfelt. She's convinced that she is in the presence of God. And it makes me question how I approach prayer. Because sometimes when I'm speaking to God, I'm not thinking of who I'm speaking to. If that makes any sense. It's almost like I've been praying for so long. It's just repetition. You get down on your knees, close your eyes, fold your hands, and you begin to pray. Not that I don't mean what I'm praying for. But my mind is kind of like on autopilot. I'm not recognizing who I'm talking to. Many of us can relate. We talk to people differently, right? Depending on who they are. We're not going to talk to our kids the same way that we talk to someone who's an authority over us. When we recognize authority, especially supreme authority, there is a difference in our disposition. question for us is how do we approach God in prayer when we are praying to him are we recognizing who we are speaking to you see when prayer goes wrong for us we sometimes don't appreciate the access we have to God in prayer we don't realize that when we pray our body yes it remains here on earth we are here, but our spirits, our spirits enter the throne room of God. Our spirits are speaking to him. He is speaking to us. Yeah, we do this because of Christ. All this is done through Christ. But when we pray, we are speaking to our creator. Listen to this out of Hebrews chapter 4. This is verses 14 through 16. Since then we have a great high priest, and that passage is speaking about Christ, who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, our weaknesses, but one who is in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Now listen to this. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Man, that is awesome. 
Paul says, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. What is he talking about? He's talking about prayer. When we get on our knees, when we close our eyes, when we fold our hands, when we begin to speak to God, we are not just uttering words in an empty room or in an office or in a, wherever it is that you like to pray. You are speaking directly to your creator. You have access to the throne of God through the blood of Jesus Christ. See, recognizing whose we are and in whose presence we are in, uh, we, we need to approach him for who he is. He is, and I love the song that we sang at the very end, that's my favorite name of God, the Ancient of Days. He is the Ancient of Days. As I was thinking about this and preparing this sermon, I just thought, like, that's found in the book of Daniel. It's the only reference to God as the Ancient of Days. And I just love that name because it just, it just, I mean, God is, he's always been. There is, there is nothing more ancient than him. He knows all. He's in control of all. It's a beautiful name for his sovereignty, display his sovereignty. And I just think that how wonderful it is that through Christ, the ancient of days is just a prayer away. It's amazing. The God who created all things. We have access to him through prayer. Changes my perspective whenever I get on my knees now and pray. And then the last thing, um, point number four. Whether we suffer loss or experience a blessing, we must search for a reason to praise the Lord. This one's tough. You look at Hannah and what she's doing here. What she's doing here is pretty tough because she's actually experiencing both joy and sorrow at this point right now. The joy is that the Lord answered her prayer. The sorrow is, is that she's leaving her child to serve the Lord as she promised the Lord. So this is not just like something that's real easy for her to do. She's going through both right now, sorrow and joy. When we look at prayer for us and when it goes wrong is when we hesitate to praise the Lord during an undesirable circumstance. See, it goes against every fiber of our being to praise the Lord when we feel that we are wronged. We tend to reserve praise and thanksgiving for desirable outcomes only. And even when it comes to God, when we think we are wronged, when we think we don't deserve something, it's hard for us to praise. It's hard for us to give thanks in those situations. But for us, we need to remember that we are commanded to be content no matter what we go through. To me, that's the key. The key for us is to be content that the Lord is ours and that we are his no matter what. Listen to this out of Philippians chapter 4. 
Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. And any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. That was verses 11 through 13. As I look at Hannah, I'm just like, man, that's great. As I read these words, she's, yes, she's joyous because of her prayer being answered, but she's having to drop off her child and all she has is praises for the Lord. I look at my own life and I think of times when tragedy has struck and how hard it is to praise the Lord in those situations. See, I, I thank him. I thank him because, yeah, it may take some time, but eventually you get around to thanking him. I mean, because as, as you see Hannah here and as she's praying, there's two things that I, I see her praying for here. Number one is that he was faithful in answering her prayer. And then number two, that he was faithful in giving her the ability to give her child back to him. And so in those times where it's deep and dark and it's hard to praise God, I, I thank God for his faithfulness to, to, to give me the love, to give me the hope, to give me the faith to thank him in that situation. He's a wonderful and glorious God. I want to end this sermon with this. This is from the Heidelberg uh, Catechism. This is question one, answer one. Hopefully this puts things into perspective for us. This is like our own, uh, our own catechism where you have a question and an answer. And the question is this, what is your only comfort in life and death? This is the answer, that I am not my own, but belong with body and soul, both in life and in death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood and has set me free from all the power of the devil. He also preserves me in such a way that without the will of my heavenly Father, not a hair can fall from my head. Indeed, all things must work together for my salvation. Therefore, by his Holy Spirit, he shall assure me of eternal life and makes me heartily willing and ready from now on to live for him. Man, that's beautiful. What is your only comfort in life and death? It is that Christ is with you. It's that he will never leave you or forsake you. And no matter what you go through in this life, you can find a reason to praise him. That, my brothers and sisters, is the pinnacle of praise when it comes to the Lord and when it comes to us as Christians approaching him and the throne of grace. Let us pray.